And now, a special announcement from the local carnival. Ladies and gentlemen, step right up, step right up. Freaks, clowns, exotic animals, and dancing dolls. We have it all. Don't wait. <laughs> Don't hesitate. You won't want to miss it. This is the Dark Carnival. <laughs> he nods and almost stepping out of his shadow is an elegant pan clad in a crushed purple velvet smoking jacket his long brunette hair beautifully washed and groomed his pinstripe pants um, seeming to be striped with silver steps around Mr. Mercury putting a hand on his shoulder that was such a beautiful performance, my darling. Trying to persuade my strongman out of servitude. I, I could commend you for that speech. He may not realize that you're playing him being an addict, but I cannot have you part with what is mine. I suppose some would claim you have what is Mr. Lynch's. Mm. The debt to Lynch I can pay, though I cannot allow you to take my entertainment. You see, certain folks have different tastes. Some come to be awed and frightened by my various eclectic members. Others come to see my attractions, to view themselves in panes of glass in different forms. Though some need a more guttural take on entertainment. Mr. Mercury here provides that for me. I have a service to provide. He is but a tool in my belt. I do not take kindly to people stealing from me. If you wish to take his place, I can send Mr. Mercury all the way back to Mr. Jacob Lynch. I'm sorry, Mr. Cooper. I'm afraid I'd make an awful strong man. You'd make a wonderful magician's assistant, however. Assistant? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Drops the bat. I mean, like, drops, like, lowers her arm completely. <laughs> I'm just, like, awestruck in the, how dare you? Un unmoving, unflitching, he just smiles at you. I honestly could care less if this beast comes with me or not. If you have the money to pay me back, I will gladly take it. However, I imagine that whatever Mr. Lynch wants is not money. Hmm. This is not a normal man. No. No, he's not. His story is rather gruesome. No, nothing here is boring, darling. Then why do I find myself so bored? Because you have not seen what you are meant to see. He pauses. He thinks for a moment. He closes his mouth into a, a thin smile. You want to be a star. Star here. Be my magician. And I shall be your assistant. Are these terms acceptable? 
I'm sorry, Mr. Cooper. I already have a contract. Mm. And unlike some, I don't go back on them. Well, you have gone back on one. I believe a Mr. Rashad is not going to be too happy once he finds out you've found your quest and you haven't helped him with his. I haven't had the opportunity yet. As you can see, I was in the middle of finding still. Hmm. I'll gladly help out this Rashad, which I imagine would be difficult to do a part of your circus. No deal. Hmm. Shame. Can't slight me for trying. But I would ask you to go find your seat and leave Mercury to rehearse for his number. Mercury, our deal still on the table. And she'll throw a side glance at Mr. Cooper and try to find a seat. <laughs> <laughs> um, the side glance you throw at Mr. Cooper is not Mr. Cooper. Where he is standing is that same albino flying monkey. Just kind of waving at you and smiling. She nods her head towards the monkey and goes along her way. Okay. Back into the green room, it is completely silent. There are no people. There are no dolls. There is no nothing. Except for a familiar shrunken head staring at you from a bench. We're going to cut back to the trio at this point. Mr. Stewart, James, and Donovan. You have all been witnessing various performances through which... Um, We've started with a acrobatic, daring performance of these wooden dolls swinging on the same gossamer pieces of cloth, falling and dancing and those being caught, some splintering on the ground below. It's both macabre and wondrous and majestic. You're not exactly sure what you're watching. I would like all of you to make me a notice check, however. Do I get to use my bonus flip? Oh yeah, you have a you have bonus flip to notice all through this encounter, so you're fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> well, I got a two of rams. <laughs> I got a four of tomes. <laughs> That's uh, fucking hilarious. Bam bam, what did you get? Uh a four of masks. Okay, all of you are terrible. That's great. Love it. Um, none of you noticed nothing. Um, All right. Yay! So, the act happens. You find yourself clapping, and you're not exactly sure why. I assume Stuart wasn't that impressed by it. I assume James is still terrified of these dolls, and now <laughs> they just descend from the, the tent like fucking spiders, and they could be anywhere. They're probably scurrying up behind you as you speak. It's oh, fine. Don't it's say fine. that. <laughs> The second act begins. This time it is who you've all known as Thin Lizzie. She begins describing situations and asking questions of various audience members and going to this oversized deck of tarot, which she uses both of her arms to shuffle. It's about the size of her torso and starts dealing these large cards out onto the floor um, into a various spread. As the cards hit the sand, they seem to enlarge so everyone in the big top can see, and she professes the future of the city, the future of Malifaux, the future of the mayor, 
the future of money, the future of the breach. She just goes on and speaking in these strange esoteric terms and weaving these spirits of sorts around her hands. It's all mystifying. But this is the point where all three of you realize she's not weaving spirits. She's weaving the smoke of some sort of censure that is burning. There is an incense being pumped either into the big top or being burned inside the big top that is creating the sense of calm. All three of you um, need to make me a willpower uh, flip at this point. Uh-oh. I'm gonna... Can I cheat these? Yes, you may cheat these. Okay, well then I'm gonna cheat the shit out of it. <laughs> cheat the shit out of it. Donovan got a 14 of crows. Donovan, you are fine. I got a 13 of tones. Stuart, you are fine. Or crows, fuck. Yeah. Now, I want to ask a question. Okay. Because out of sheer, ro- sheer role play, when cheating... Does it have to be for a greater result? No, you can cheat down. I would like to cheat because of James. Uh, like I, you know, not this. Not sure whether this will still be good or not. Um, it's plus four, so that is a ten of. Fuck me for not having my goddamn sticky note. Um, tomes. Okay. Is it Clover so, Tomes? Yes. Okay, then yes, Tomes. James, five, four and a half Matthews. Yes. You have a sense of calm. This unending, just, it's both happiness and just zen merging together into this new emotion that is you. You are not only awestruck by her performance, you are enthralled to see what happens next, but an old woman's voice seems to echo just beyond the commotion of the circus. It's no more than a whisper amongst the laughter and the the shouting of the carnival, but she seems to be telling you something important you can't understand. Eventually, the whisper fades, and you just reach euphoria. You see your friends sitting next to you. You see them not necessarily as they are, but just content souls. You are content to be with them. You want to be with them forever. Okay. Keep that in mind. Mr. Donovan and Stuart, you are not vexed by the strange incense. You do, however, see everyone around you just relax. Muscles just lose their tension. Smiles get a little bit wider. Everyone is just in love with being here. Hmm. Does that mean Mr. Cooper's here? Yeah, well, it probably means it's close. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I think Stuart would normally just chalk it up to people being excited for the carnival. Um, does, like, does the feeling that passes over the room kind of feel similar to how people were when the carnival was first riding in and everyone was bewitched and ran to the roads and whatnot? Uh, give me give me a scrutiny check on that. Okay. 
Um, I think I have, what did I say? I think I have one point in scrutiny. Yeah. Yeah, I got this. An eight of rams. <laughs> Perfect. Yes, you are going to be able to put two and two together. It's not the exact same, but it is very much akin to the strange compulsion that people faced in the road. Okay. Then um, I don't think he's going to say anything to that effect because um, I don't think he's going to really notice whether his comrades are affected by it or not, but I think he's going to make a mental note of that and keep that tucked away. Okay. I dig it. Uh, yeah. Um, at this point, Thin Lizzy leaves. There is another procession of dolls, some dancing, kind of an intermission sort of thing. The Stuart and Donovan, you realize that the haze of the incense just gets thicker and thicker. Um, as this sort of mini act happens, it's a story of sorts. You can see some dolls dressed as townspeople, some dolls in more sparkly, fancy outfits, probably resembling those of the carnival. And then, out of seemingly nowhere, children, like very real living children, appear. And there seems to be this unspoken dialogue where the members of the circus ex extend their hand and offer nothing but just sparkles and things in the air as almost a payment for these children at which the civilian dressed dolls clap their hands and usher the kids over to the circus dolls at this you see the the crowd just up just in a thunderous applause and woohoo and like just clapping all over the place and these children are looking out into the crowd and you see one little girl make eye contact with clearly someone and just start reaching out and you're too far away to hear what she's really saying or is she actually saying anything trying to reach this person as she is taken off stage by these circus dolls uh all you are left to visualize are the townsfolk dolls dancing arm in arm, throwing up sparkles as they dance. The lantern lights go down, and there is a flash of fire, of blue, of green, of red. And in the center podium stands an elegant man in a purple uh, crushed velvet smoking jacket, beautifully combed and manicured hair, brunette hair in his black and silver pinstripe pants, um, who greets you. Welcome, one and all, to my macabre, marvelous carnival. I am your host and ringmaster for this evening, which he brings his, his left hand up to his the crown of his head, materializing a top hat. He takes it off and bows. As he does so, a dozen flying monkeys fly out of the opening of the, the top hat. This is about to be some fucked up shit. <laughs> Ooh. Leading the pack of monkeys, Mr. Stewart, this is a Im info for you, is our lovely albino monkey. Who flies over to all three of you, tips his fez, and licks a very bloody monkey finger clean and smiles at you, Stewart. Uh, all right, 
so Stuart is going to watch this monkey uh, like a hawk until it passes by. Once it does, um, I think Stuart is going to lean forward where he is seated. I think he is going to do his best to nonchalantly uh, draw his weapon between his legs, and I think he's going to... Uh, I, he's not... Calm down. <laughs> uh, he's going to uh, um, retrieve the two spent shells, and I think he's going to put in... Uh, I, th I think he's going to load the two shots that he's already fired this evening. Perfect. You are able to do so without anybody noticing. Um, so you have your piece in your palm, um, fully loaded, ready to roll. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From between your legs. From between your legs. <laughs> <laughs> important detail. Important detail, yep, very important. Um, okay, so that's what you guys are witnessing. Donovan, do you wish to react in any way? Mr. Cooper has made his entrance. Donovan would probably sit up in his chair, you know, lean forward, look a lot more intent. He's looking for clues more than he's looking to ask him anything explicitly. Okay, what kind of clues are you looking for? I guess he would have been uh, pretty interested in where the children were let off by the dolls. Oh, uh, that would have been towards because the back he... of the stage. Or the back of the big pop ring thing. Okay, not well within reach of where Donovan is. No. He's going to have to make a lot of effort to get over there. Yes. Okay. Um, all right, well, he'll, he'll sit still then for now. Okay, perfect. Um, James, there mm -hmm. is something interesting for you. In your state of euphoria, you don't really need to react to anything, but you are going to notice that every single one of those children are children from your town, children you have performed for, children you are happy to see, you know, go off to a better place with these circus folk to become performers. That is what James is thinking right now. Okay. Um, well, good for them. I also, yeah, good, good At least for he's them. calmed down. <laughs> Um, yeah. I feel like, like a part of James, though, would kind of like not in like any kind of angry way, but because of like his background and like performance thing, I guess we'll have kind of like, I guess like an inner, um, oh, what's that word? Conflict? No, it's like jealous, but there's another word for it. Tire? Envy. I guess envy. I, 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 there's a specific word I was looking for, but I can't think of it. Um, but that's kind of envious, not in like a hostile kind of way, but like, you know, yeah, it's like be happy, you know, like good for them, but also be just slightly envious. He's like, damn. Uh, cause you know, it's this whole background thing. It's like performing and stuff. It's like, ah, damn, but good for them. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. It's not me, but Hey, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Um, okay, so that's actually that feeling sort of brings you not necessarily out of this sort of stupor, but you do real you're like, huh, you you recall that little girl and you remember that's Amy. Her mother is one of the school teachers, and she looked kind of distressed. So that puts a little seed in your, you know, your subconscious that you're like, huh, weird. 
Um, but you, just because of the the effect the incense is having on you, we're not going to have you act on it in any way. Just for mm-hmm. our listeners' purposes, in the mind of James Matthews' five, four and a half band. <laughs> okay. Cool. We're going to switch back quickly to Darling. At this point, that same shrunken head is staring at you as you walk into the tent. There are no performers. There are no nothing. From literally behind it, Rashad materializes. I see you found your mercury. Indeed. It's good to see you, Rashad. I'm never far, darling. It's always good to see you, though. Please, take a seat. And he motions you to a, a stump that is clearly a chair. She'll look towards the monkey that was leading her. Uh, the monkey is, surprisingly, frozen in place, midair. Wonderful. She takes a seat. <laughs> That's easy. You see Rashad pay mind to the monkey and just, like, calmly folds his hands across his lap. So, now my part of the bargain. Are you ready? Yes. My friend, we have to find, is a delightful little girl. Her name is Night. She is here. She is a local of the town that this carnival just happened to roll through. There are plans for her. Will you help me find her? Well, I suppose it's the least I can do. Perfect. The children are being held in the Hall of Mirrors. I do admit I tried to trick you to go to first. If you go there now, there will be no gods, no strange carnival folk to get in your way. But you will have to be quick about it because strange things happen in this carnival after midnight and well darling you have about an hour well then i'm your girl all right i will take your place i'll let this monkey lead me to the seat it was taking you to and i'll put on a little performance in your honor how about that she has a wide grin on her face only if you tell me about it afterwards. It's a bargain. At this, you see yourself walking behind the monkey that is now flying again. Though you have not blonde hair, but black hair. Your dress is not pink, but it is purple. And where your handbag should be, a uh, shrunken head is carried in its place. The you that is walking in front of you, turns just over her left shoulder and gives you a shh motion and walks on with the monkey. All right, she's going to walk right on that tent and go to the Hall of Mirrors. Perfect. Um, the way is easy. You can get there with no time at all because there's you're just cutting through tents, you're doing everything else, and you are standing in front of a very hurriedly put together facade of a building it is attempting to look like the front end of a gothic mansion though you can tell it is nothing more than like plywood bits that have been nailed together multiple times 
some of which are kind of sagging from use. But the door remains open. She steps inside. She said, or he, Rashad said to make it quick, so she's making it quick. Stepping inside, you are first greeted by your very first wall that is a mirror. Staring back at you is you, now still in pink and blonde and perfect. Um, but you realize that this is truly a maze of mirrors. Um, I would like you to make a, we'll start with a first notice check to see if you can guide yourself through the first area. So we are looking at a 11 of crows. You artfully dance around these mirrors, appreciating every angle that they seem to show you, noticing your dress is not tarnished, your hair is perfectly coiffed, and your teeth have never looked better. Wonderful. Through the first area, it is pleasant. It is well lit with lamplight. The second area you walk into seems dimmer. It seems colder. But you arrive. Give me another notice check. I won't cheat it. We'll do a seven of tomes. This second area is not to your liking. There are a lot of trick mirrors in here. Some show you to be shorter. Some show you to be wider. Some show you to be older. All the while, you're slightly shivering. You're not as confident you know your way around this place. You sort of stumble around, turning a corner about three times before you realize you've been going in a circle. Um, you make your way through, uh, finally, to the third Hall of Mirrors, which, by what is you know, reflected on its many surface, surfaces, has three sources of light, and that is all. This room is like the grasp of December. It is cold. It is heartless. It is something that strips you of any joy you had from earlier in the day, from the first room, everything. You do not want to be here. Do you wish to proceed? Yes. All right. Give me a notice check. Oh, shit. We are at a 14 of masks. <laughs> For those of you out there, I'm very glad that Darling did not fail this check because <laughs> amp. Darling, you make it into this last area. Again, utilizing those three points of light, you have been able to surmise what is actually a path and what are walls, though it becomes easier as you realize these mirrors are far more tarnished, some are cracked, some don't even show your reflection at all. They are clear, they all leak magic. This last room just leaks it and you can, it's almost palpable to you. You exit through this final area feeling stripped of something. Something important. You have your handbag. You are clearly still clothed. Your hair is still perfectly curled and coiffed. But your father's ring is missing. Fuck! Do you wish to go back and try to find it? No. Exiting the House of Mirrors, behind you, you see several car, like covered wagons, out in front of which are makeshift styes, or kind of corrals you would put animals in. All of these, well, three of these covered wagons with these little corrals are full of children. They are all dazed. Their eyes are glazed over, half-lidded, 
They all seem to be holding the same sort of black candied apple you were given. But they all come from, they all have the same sort of clothing style, kind of, uh, you know, money level. Some are very impoverished. Some are very high class. But they're all children from this town. I didn't get a fucking description. You did not. Every time. How do you go about finding this girl? If I start out with obvious, asking for night, do I get any response from any of them? No. Okay. They do not seem to be able to respond to auditory cues. Um, shit. I fucked up. I don't know. Okay, I'll let you think on it, darling. We'll go back Thank to you. the boys. Boys. Yes. <laughs> Eve. Um, so, Mr. Cooper begins to regale you with the story of his carnival. How, from humble beginnings, he gathered all the downtrodden, but the important, the special, the hideous, the macabre members of Malifaux and brought them here. How he wove his spells and words and enchantments to bring forth entertainment to the masses. He sp- gives you this spiel about how he has allowed you all into his home, into his place of business for free and ask nothing in return except that you enjoy yourselves I'm gonna fucking enjoy myself playing a freaking game or I'm gonna die <laughs> <laughs> um, he says those of you who would come into my carnival seeking something only need look behind them to find it and with this I bid you all farewell enjoy the rest of the show and please, always find enjoyment in your lives. And in but a same flash, blue, red, green, yellow, poof, he is gone and left with just a singular top hat sitting in the center of the, the big top, which the same little white monkey lands, picks it up and puts it on top of his head. Donovan's going to turn around. It's going to say James is going to do the same thing. Perfect. Stuart, do you do the same thing? So Stuart is going to note the other two turning. And I think uh, he's already suspicious from, you know, kind of connecting the pieces. I think despite his curiosity, I think he's going to resist because I think he's going to chalk it up to being another trick. So Stuart, we're going to play with you first then. Okay. Seeing your friends turn around, you watch everyone in the big top turnaround, except for you. And what you can, what you think is darling sitting across the big top from you. She's, you know, quite a ways away. You can kind of make her out. She seems, she seems her dark, her dress seems a little bit darker, but it, it seems to be her. You two mm. are the only ones and you seem to lock eyes for a moment. You watch Gross. as each individual person just falls asleep or they double over the back of their chair just boom, boom, one after the other, after the other, after the other. Fuck, I'm gonna die. And suddenly, it's just you two staring there. And you hear like this, like things being descending. And I assume without making too much of a motion, Stuart would glance up and you see about 20, 20 of those wooden dolls descending on these gossamer threads, picking up these sleeping people and spiriting them away to the top of the big top. Okay. None have come for your friends yet. 
just FYI. Okay. So the, the yeah, okay. So seeing this though, um actually do I see any go up and then come back down for more? Uh yes. You probably after watching for a little while, especially just remaining still, you'd see the same same mannequin come up and down several times. Okay. Because it's the difference between, oh, fuck those 20 people that are going to get stolen, or, oh my god, they're going to steal everyone. They're stealing um, everybody. Yeah. He's going to uh, turn to his companions, who I'm assuming are in that dreamlike kind of state, trying to reach over and grab both of them. He's going to try to shake them awake, if he can. The only friend of yours, as you actually make motion and move to turn, is James. Oh, Donovan has been replaced with a mannequin. Fuck that! That is in the same position, but but James is still there. Okay. Um. <laughs> fuck these mannequins. I hate them. Uh, <laughs> so I imagine Stuart was similarly surprised to see fucking mannequin there, with obvious uh, bullshit witchcraft happening now. <laughs> a mannequin having was probably eaten Donovan. That that's what. <laughs> That's where we're going with this. So Stuart, uh, without thinking much and giving up on that whole not make a spectacle thing, um, I think he's going to try to hoist James up, uh, okay. fireman style, and uh, okay. it's time to get the fuck out. Uh, give me a mic check. Let's do it. Okay. Um, well, and since it involves James, you do get a positive spin. Oh, Yeah. Uh nope, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat on this fucking positive. Let's whip it out. I will do this <laughs> from between oh, your legs. Let's let's yeah. whip it out. So that'll be a nine of <laughs> crows. Okay. Um you do hoist James up. It's a little bit of a struggle. Makes mm -hmm. quite you you make a spectacle, a quiet spectacle, but you clearly are making a lot of motion. You see Darling yeah. stand up at this or who appears to be Darling, and she uh -huh. steps into the ring, the center mm -hmm. stage, as I assume you are... Uh, go ahead and give me a stealth flip right after that one to try to maneuver yourself in a way to not be picked up by one of these mannequins. We're gonna cheat that! <laughs> or does okay. it involve James? No, this is just you. Then we're gonna cheat it. I'm gonna give myself... A 13. A 13 of rams. Perfect. And because it's the ram suit, um, it's kind of a, a physical thing, so you are not necessarily being stealthy as the quiet. You're using stealth to almost hand these mannequins people. Like, you mm -hmm. are pushing people, like, up where they would maybe grab for you or maybe grab for James. You're kind of hoisting another body in your place. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how your stealth is working. You watch as you are slowly getting towards like down from, I see you're kind of like on the third riser up. So you got, you got a ways to go, but you're getting past people. You're getting down and you see darling just dancing in the center of the ring, speaking in a language you don't understand mm -hmm. slowly. And just deftly, she begins to spin and rise off of the sand. <sighs> As this happens, all of the mannequins seem to like fall down and like watch her she spins and spins and spins and in but a, and in a moment she doubles over backwards and you hear this audible like snapping and she plummets to the ground the fuck 
Okay. How does okay. Stuart react? So Stuart is going to uh, pause as she crumples. I would say at first, I think he would assume she was part of the magic bullshittery happening. Okay. Now, when she plummets, does she just like crumple? Yeah, you hear an ob- an obvious snap as she doubles uh-huh. like full, almost a ninety degree angle backwards, and mm-hmm. then she just plummets and plops, just like no splat, but it's just a. How close is Stuart to the exit? Uh, you probably have a riser and a half full of people to get through. Oh, all right. All right. Are the mannequin because the mannequins came down? Did they go back up? Are they resuming their their thing? No, it's almost like they're dazed for a moment. Okay, so he's gonna pause like a moment longer than he should because he keeps going back and forth on what he should do. He is going to set James down against the ground beneath him and try to like lay him down flat, not in a seat where he would be grabbed. Stuart trying to make haste is going to get down there as fast as he can to see what just happened in this tension we're going to go to donovan donovan as you turned behind you you are out in a familiar field it's completely barren this time no strange dolls no strange fat hairy blue-haired man you are out just in a field wind rustling the weeds You can kind of see storm clouds coming in on the horizon, lightning flash across the sky, distant sound of thunder. What would you like to do? There is nothing around you. There's no sign of the circus. There's no sign of the town. I'm going to say baritone Lola. You hear a rustling, but no other response. The rustling is kind of coming from behind you. Hmm. I'll say it again a bit louder and turn to look at the wrestling. This familiar fez is kind of poking out above the weeds, and a bit of taffeta follows behind it. All right. Uh, do I win? The wrestling stops, and almost like liquid coming out of a basin, Baritone Lola just rises up, seeming to be taller than he was last time kind of clicks his fingers together. This time you see him wearing, his nails are much longer um, and painted red to match his stilettos. No, you don't. Mr. Donovan, do you know what time it is? Time for me to win. win. It's time for me to win. Mm, You could have won. A while ago. Sadly, if you could see the night sky, the moon is full and it's past midnight. Well, this wasn't even close to a fair game, all right? I went all over the place (laughs) yelling your name out and, you know, I have to be teleported magically to another place in order to win. This is ridiculous. I mean, this just completely insane you know bad rules oh no oh oh no i've been around you the entire time donovan i just cheated (laughs) (laughs) fuck you you (laughs) and 
Teleportation is not the word I'd use. You're actually asleep in your bed back at school. Oh. Dim. Did you ever think that perhaps you missed boarding the caravan with your friends? Perhaps you've had a fall. Maybe you aren't in your bed at all. Perhaps you were researching Neverborn activities the last time the breach opened and you fell off the ladder and now are bleeding out on the floor. Uh, no. At this, Donovan, it's going to bring back various just flashes of imagery at you. And you do remember studying very late. You do remember looking at history of the last time the breach opened and what the Neverborn were doing. You do remember being on a ladder. Donovan's going to cross his arms and <laughs> just <laughs> be like, well, I, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. This is, this is weird. I don't know. I don't even know. I feel bad that you lost and you are right. It wasn't really a fair game. Yeah, I mean, How about this? A consolation prize. Do you want to wake up? Yes. <laughs> then hand me your glasses. You realize you're no longer wearing the pair that you had on. You have your last pair of glasses. Fine. Donovan will hand them over. Donovan, for all intents and purposes, you feel yourself waking up. You have, in fact, been laying on a, a cold, hard surface. Uh, your face can kind of tell that it's wood. Your hand is clutching something. And there's kind of a... a not necessarily, there's a little bit of, uh, of a wetness, um, something on the, the front of your shirt, kind of the side of your head that your head is pressed into this wood floor. You begin to bring yourself up and you're woozy and you you know your eyes are open, but you cannot see anything. There was time. It's not fair. <laughs> there was time now. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> Uh, you are in total and complete darkness. There is, it's not, you can feel like warmth on one of your hands, possibly sunshine, but you can see nothing. I'll start calling out for help. We will go to Darling. Did you decide what you wanted to do? The only thing I can think of is metagaming, so no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so time is ticking away, darling. You have tried to verbally assault practically every child in these pens. You've worked with them. You've threatened <laughs> them. You've like scolded them. You've done everything your lady brain can think of trying to be a mother <laughs> in this in this sense. Um, and nothing has worked. Time ticks on. You see the moon rise higher in the sky. You kind of get this goosebump feeling like you're like, screw this, like I'm running out of time. And then kind of a notion. It's almost as you hear Mr. Lynch in your ear. Darling, you're missing a crucial, crucial point. The girl's name is Knight. How many dark-haired girls are there? How many are there? <laughs> Two. Two dark-haired girls. They both are rather plain. 
They both have dark hair. Uh, one seems, well, from the half-lidded eyes you can see, one seems to have a kind of amber-brown eye. One has a blue eye. Uh, one girl clearly comes from a more impoverished family. The other is finely dressed and cleaned. She's also wearing the same color of purple that Rashad was wearing with his dress. Though the girl that looks a little bit poorer has the same color purple ribbon in her hair. Shit. Oh, which one? Um, fuck. Which one has the blue eyes? Uh, would be the impoverished girl. Is there anything on their person that might signify, like... Okay, this is a thing she would fucking recognize. Which one of them looks like they'd actually fit in town? Like, that looks like they were raised around here. You know there is a poorer district, but the girl that is clearly richer looks like she belongs to probably the, the mayor of this town or the... Forget what I called. Do I still that sticky note lying around here? Um, it's the mansion. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot what I called it in the very first game, and now I cannot find my sticky note. Um, oh, Wait, oh, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I got it. <laughs> oh, maybe I don't. No, sticky. Oh, well, yeah, the, the, the duke or whatever you want to call him, the owner of this mm -hmm. town, he, she could very well belong to his family, judging by the quality of her clothes, how well manicured her nails are. I mean, they've seen a little bit of wear from tonight. Um, she seems to have almost, her knuckles seem a little raw. Um, one of them is bleeding like she struggled against something, so perhaps she wanted to stay in town. Just because my memory shit doesn't mean Darlings necessarily would be. But yes, it does. Fuck, I was going to say, is there anything else that I could like make a check for that Rashad said to make this an ounce easier? Can I do like a straight flip? You sure something? can. Make me a straight flip. <laughs> we are seeing an eight of crows. She seems like the girl. Okay. Then I take that girl. You take the girl. Are you going to go back through the Hall of Mirrors or are you going to try to run around it? Time is running out, so I won't go back to the Hall of Mirrors. I will circumvent and try to get back to the Big Top. Okay. Um, you make it back to the Big Top as people are exiting. Every single one of them seems to be in a haze. They have that same sort of half-lidded contentment that the children did. They're all smiling. They're all walking out. Um, you can follow them out of the carnival. You do not see Rashad at the front of the tent, as of yet. Do, do I see Mercury? You do. Rashad didn't give a meeting place, right? He just said to find the girl. Just find the girl. Okay, and he also said he's always nearby. Yep. Yeah, so she's carrying the child and looks at Mercury and says, All right, let's get going. Okay. Mercury kind of just, uh, and like, Join grabs for your arm, like just manhandles your arm. I mean, she tries the best that she can while balancing the kid. Okay, yep, he takes it, and you walk out of the carnival. Do you pay any attention to the friends that you left behind? No. Sorry, guys. The last people in the scene are Stuart and James. James, you are still knocked out. You are laying on the floor. Um, Stuart, you are rushing to Darling. Mm -hmm. Has anything changed? Are you just like booking it to her? Yeah, he, um, unless he notices anything 
sudden, he's still rushing to uh, what I'm guessing is Darling's corpse. Okay, you rush over. This looks like Darling. She is clearly wearing a purple dress, much like her pink one before. Her hair is now raven instead of blonde, and she is most most definitely dead. Her eyes are deadpan and open. She has a small trickle of blood running out of her mouth. Um, it's definitely a corpse. Mm-hmm. The mannequins at this point have, again, started rising and descending, rising and descending, picking these people off. All right, so she's very dead. There's no reason to do anything, you know, like no check in a pulse when, you know, their mouth is bleeding. God, and there's nothing like, there's nothing else, like obviously like her hair's raven and the dress is, I'm trying to think from Stuart's perspective. Honestly, with the reporting he's done, and his work with the guild and like him not being super familiar with magic other than like the propaganda and having reported on the bad stuff I think he's just gonna chalk it up to she got herself mixed up with magic bullshit something happened he doesn't know what he doesn't really know what the aim was but she's gone Donovan is gone he has to get back to James so realizing this was a wasted trip i think he's going to try to book it real hard to get back to uh where he left james and uh hopefully get there unimpeded okay as you turn your back Mm -hmm. you hear hey (laughs) julek so this whole time everyone has been falling for tricks and nonsense and nothing is as it seems I imagine he would hear her I imagine he would pause and then I think he would keep running I think he's kind of realizing that the only way to make it through this is to focus on the path directly ahead of him and not focus on anything else lest he see disgusting clowns eating fucking (laughs) children or, uh, okay. You know, yeah. I like it. So, not swayed by the strange message behind you, you sprint forward. Mm-hmm. Knowing where you left James, seeing the majority of these people already been picked off by these mannequins, they don't seem to be paying you any mind. All right. From out beneath the riser to your left, you have left the, you have left James on the right riser. Mm-hmm. The boy you came here to find crawls out from underneath the riser showing there's like some bloody wound on his right shoulder it looks like he's been hit in the face his eye is bulging and bruised he looks worse for wear but he he looks at you with his good eye just crying just mister help you have a choice you cannot carry both the child and james out Stuart is faced with this dilemma. Stuart entered the carnival with the express purpose of saving this child. Mm-hmm. But with everything he has seen so far, again, he does not know what is real. He does not know what is a trick. The only person he has kept constant track of and 
knows with some relative certainty is real is James. Okay. So I don't think he's completely convinced that the child is an illusion, but I think he is going to try his best to look up, not focus on the child, and try to get back to James. Okay. You make it back to James with no extra effort. James is still exactly where you left him. Um, with right. great with great ease, if you choose to lift him up, you don't even have to make a check. You can just pick him back up like you had him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stuart does that. Okay. The child begins just to wail and, like, cry and plead with you again. Mister, help me! And at this, one of the mannequins is going to swoop down and start to grab the child. And you watch it, he just scream and get pulled up into the top of the big top. Stuart tries not to watch and tries to ignore it, but what starts out as him catching it out of the corner of his eye is now him watching the child get swallowed up at the top. He presses his lips tight, his body tenses, but he tries his best to make a clean getaway with James on his back. Okay. You do. You exit the tent. Nothing chases you. Nothing stands before you. Um, You do see what is odd. Some of the people that were sitting in the big top have already exited. Like, you see them exiting the carnival at this point. So you can get out with them, exit with the same sort of cattle, you realize at this point, James, you can kind of see it flop in and out of your vision. James's hand is also like the stamp has been slightly eroded away. Um, just note that for later. But you mm-hmm. get out of the carnival just fine. As you exit the carnival, you are brought to morning. There, It was clearly like midnight. It was deep, dark night. You are now faced with the brightness of day. You are waking up in your hotel room. Mm -hmm. No sign of James. Full recollection of what had happened the night before. Your gun is holstered by your bedside. Your notepad is where you left it. Your hat, your clothing is all pristine. You have woken up in a fresh bed. So Stuart is going to rise. How quick was this transition? It was like an, like being jolted from a dream. You instantly wo- like woke up into this. Startled, he's going to uh, like do that thing where he cr- quickly like scrambles towards the uh, the um, the baseboard and like kicks his covers away. I think he's going to look around the room I think he's going to realize that James isn't there he's going to start you know what I think he's going to look at the back of his hand because even though he licked most of it away there was the faint impression so I want to see if that's still there Mr. James, you wake up to the jostling of a covered wagon. It was a dip in the road, a rock, something stirred you awake. You awaken in a bed of 
silken covered pillows and some just some luxurious blankets in a place you do not know. Inside the wagon is a beautiful girl. She is unearthly beautiful, preening her hair. She seems to, to smile at you as you stir awake and stops preening. I'm so glad you could join us. You know, I followed you through the carnival and I read your mind. I knew what you really wanted. You were dying back there. You were dying of boredom. So I saved you. I let you join the circus. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Again, your senses come to you. You realize you were on the road in one of those same black wood caravans of the Dark Circus. You have been enlisted to perform forever in the service of Mr. Cooper. Hey everybody, congrats on surviving the Dark Carnival. Do you have questions about this spooktacular campaign? Do you want to share your theory on what happened? Well, guess what? So do we. We are recording a very special Halloween Q&A on November 5th, so be sure to send us your questions on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can email us at soulstorypod at gmail.com. Hey everyone, it's Alex, one more time. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Do you want to stay in touch? We'd love to hear from you. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SoulStoryPod. The cast is on Twitter as well. You can find Moose at Moosifo, Spencer at SpareBearTheMeek, BamBam at HotBam with three M's, Logan at KOTL of the Light. And you can find me, your Fate Master, at Roll for Alex.